Welcome to the Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Hello. Hello. And welcome to the Harrogate version of the Hopcast book show. It doesn't really matter what number it is. 28, I think. I think it's 28, yeah. Well, what does it matter? Because this is a special edition and uh, we are currently relaxing in one of the beautiful parks, the Valley Gardens, I think it's called. It should be called the Slope Gardens. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly the seat we're sitting on is sloping away. Uh, and the festival has just finished, so three days of pure crime and crime fiction uh, have just ended, and uh, we've just are digesting a wonderful lunch. To, uh, to We needed feeding, we hadn't eaten anything. But it's been an incredible weekend, and we'd like to take you through it from the perspective of running a small independent publishing company, Hobeck Books, publishers of the following genres. Thrillers crime <laughs> you put an accent on there suspense mysteries is that a harrogate accent no i don't know <laughs> i didn't think it was no it's, it's a particularly poor one i would have thought anyway right we're going to do the rest of the thing in an harrogate accent oh we are are we well, I don't, well that didn't sound like one either right well look welcome to harrogate and we have had a, a great time now you've been here a, a slightly less time than i have uh, but nonetheless, I think it's fair to say we have had. Well, we. Uh, it's hard to say. What do we? Ex- what do we expect when we got here? That's that's the first thing we should say. And the next thing we should say is who we are. Yeah. I'm Adrian Hobart, and you are Rebecca Collins. Together, we run Hobart Books. We've been publishing for what just over a year now. Yeah, so July, mid July. So we are well over a year. We can't say we're new anymore. No, and we went round. One of the things we did to introduce ourselves a little bit was. This was our coming out parade, really. <laughs> it if that, if doesn't that's, quite sound right, but... <laughs> you know, kind of graduating into the wider British crime scene because this was the first festival of significance to be held since the pandemic. And it has to be said, that was the spirit in which it was being held, I would think, that there was just this great feeling of joy. The numbers were down because they had to keep them... You know, they basically couldn't offer tickets, not knowing quite where the rules were going to stand. Um, and it this whole festival has been at a knife edge for the last 12 months but they held it and some fabulous names turned up some of which you'll hear in a minute and there was a great sense of joy that everybody there was in a position to have a proper conversation over a drink roll up meet somebody new and start chatting yeah, I mean, yeah, you say joy, but the word that comes to mind to me is gratitude. They're just grateful to, for it to have happened, for them to be able to meet people they haven't seen for, except on Zoom perhaps for two years. And just a feeling of relief as well, sort of relief to finally be there and for it to actually be happening, rather than that sort of uncertainty of will it, will it won't it, will it won't it. it was, it's been wonderful. It really has. So, who are we going to hear from? We've got some great names lined up for you. We have the, well, the godfather of British crime. Ian Rankin has spoken to us. 
So he'll be very, very shortly on the on the podcast. We also hear from um, S.J. Paris. Yeah, otherwise known as Stephanie Merritt, who whose brother has been on this podcast, of course, Dr. Chris Merritt. And uh, so we we approached her and said, "Well, Chris has been on. It's your turn now." Uh, <laughs> we should go through the whole family, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How many of them write crime? But anyway, so fantastic. She she uh, writes the Giordano Bruno series of historical crime thrillers set in the 16th century, I think. Say that again. Giordano Bruno. Isn't that what we just ordered in Gino's? <laughs> <laughs> I think you had um, rigatoni arrabbiata. Yeah, exactly. That's what we I was just complimented ordered. on my, my, my attempt at the pronunciation. But then he said, you ordered pork belly, and he asked you to say that in Italian, and you couldn't do it. Porca belly. <laughs> I uh, don't think it's porco. No, I don't suppose it is. But anyway, listen, um, we will speak to SJ Paris as well. And then earlier this morning, we caught up with the bleary-eyed, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, uh, Mark Billingham, who is one of the... Uh, also one of the festival directors here in terms of putting the programme together and is a veteran and is the most outgoing of all crime writers in the world ever. Lovely, lovely man and gave us some wonderful time together. And then, as a bonus, we'll be hearing from Martin Waits, another veteran of the festival. Uh, and I think everyone's favourite person here because, you know, I've observed just everyone loves him. And you could, you'll find out why when you, uh, when you hear his interview with us as well but I think we really ought to crack on with the big one Ian Rankin uh, was here as festival festival director and I think it's fair to say that his name and his energy has certainly helped the wider festival team to keep things going and to make sure that the big names from British crime are here because well the Americans couldn't travel and so the international flavor of the event which normally you know they'd have a Harlan Coburn here at least or a Michael Connolly or someone like that they couldn't come clearly So it really was a celebration of the best of British crime fiction, the biggest name of all, perhaps, in terms of recent impact, Richard Osman and the Thursday Murder Club. And I got to meet Richard. I gave him a Hobet mug. It was a highlight of the festival for me, I have to say. Yeah, it was a very special moment. I know how he likes his toast. Check out all of the social media stuff that we've done. Uh, it features Richard a fair bit. <laughs> but um, we went to a little side event which was very quietly promoted at the very last minute by Cannon Gate Independent Publishing Company. Uh, they have had, we've mentioned this before on the podcast because Bob McDevitt at uh, Bloody Scotland was talking about this, that Ian Rankin has completed an unfinished novel by William McIlvany, who gives his name to the prize that Mark Whiteman is, uh, is in line for, well, certainly on the long list anyway. <laughs> so to cut a long story short, Ian Rankin has, has taken... I think it was something like 50 pages of notes and some scenes were written and then filled in the rest with the blessing of the McIlvany family and his, his widow. And it's been an enormous challenge for him, having to research the historical period that he was dealing with and trying to recreate the style of his hero, someone who helped him up the ladder of crime writing when he first started. So he takes us through all that and, of course, we talk about the festival itself, but uh, he is inimitable he is the legend, Ian Rankin. Ian Rankin, thank you for joining us here on the Hobcast Book Show. It's, it's a great honour for us. Um, can we, we'll speak to you uh, on two matters, if we may. The Dark Remains is in front of us. The, uh, the book that you've worked on with William McIlvany from the grave, if you like. What a challenge. We, we heard about this from Bob McDevitt from Bloody Scotland a, a couple of weeks ago on the show, and he was incredibly excited about you know the impact this is and almost bringing 
what is you know perhaps glibly known as tartan noir full mm. circle um but in terms of your relationship with william um how big an honor mm. is this to be to be given this challenge uh well it's a, a huge honor of course i'm very much indebted to him uh he was a huge influence on me uh, on me becoming a crime writer full stop because Willie wasn't just a crime novelist, he was a literary novelist. He'd sort of won the Whitbread Prize, and he was a poet, and he was a journalist and a critic, a cultural critic, etc., etc., who turned his hand to crime fiction for a short time, for, for three books. Um, but they made an indelible impression on me, and I wanted to write something similar, uh, set in Edinburgh rather than his home city of Glasgow. Um, so then, when having known him fairly well, when he died, it was a great loss, of course, and then his widow um, had these notes for a, a book he had been working on at his death, and I was asked if I would try and complete it. And, yeah, I mean, a great honour to be asked, of course, but just a huge responsibility because he is the godfather of Scottish crime fiction. And so it had to be done right, it had to be good, and it had to be his voice, not mine. So that was possibly the biggest challenge I faced of all. That is an incredible challenge. It's almost a, uh, an investigation of its own, isn't it? Because um, you know you're piecing together. The, you had some clues, you had some notes to work from, but beyond that, you're having to you know work out his mo, <laughs> and uh, and then in like a good detective, you know, inhabit the mind of yeah, getting into the head, you know, of getting into the, into his voice and head. So, uh, what was the process there? Well, it's something I'd never done before. I mean, I've never ghostwritten or tried to write in anybody else's style or voice apart from my own. So, what I did was reread the books. Um, I just remembered all my times with Willie, the chats we'd had, the bars we'd visited in Glasgow. Um, I read the books, reread the books, went through his notes many times. Um, getting a sense of his voice, getting a sense of the philosophy that he would want to have in this book. What serious points was he making about society, about Glasgow, about human beings and uh, and human psychology? Um, and I immersed myself in Glasgow of 1972. It's 1972, I was living in Fife, which is the other uh, side of the country from Glasgow, and I was 12 years old. So, you know, the godfather was in cinemas. Um, it, gets, <laughs> it actually gets referenced in the book. Um because it was referenced in his notes. He had people and talking like about it. I wasn't old enough to go and see it. And in fact, that was a, another seminal influence on me was the fact I wasn't old enough to be allowed into the cinema to see The Godfather meant I went and bought the book. Yeah. Ah. Uh, and age 12, read the book and loved it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, literature, fiction was uh, a world that I wasn't supposed to be getting access to at that age. Mm. But nobody stopped me reading the books. The librarians didn't stop me taking adult books out of the library, and my parents didn't stop me buying books. That's, uh, that's incredible. So in terms of your relation, you know, you've, you've worked on this, and, and uh, the process, how challenging was it in terms of actually getting those words down and, and you know, not being able to... To, to use your own voice on this. Well, in some ways, it was a it was a blessed relief. It was like a, a, an escape tunnel out of camp pandemic. I could sit in my little room in Edinburgh, not really allowed to go out for more than an hour a day, do no socialising, etc., etc. And I could just immerse myself in a kind of uh, a simpler world, a world with no cell phones, no mobile phones, mm. no DNA analysis. Uh, no computers in police stations, um, you know, all that stuff, which, you know, 
is a curse for the for the contemporary crime writer because you go well I need to remember to, I've got to deal with a mobile phone if somebody's getting kidnapped why don't they just phone the police you know <laughs> um, you, know, you make sure the mobile phone hasn't got a signal or they run out of battery all these things you have to sort of, you know all the CCTV so if someone's attacked in the street has any CCTV picked up none of that was an issue it was a much simpler world and and Laidlaw the detective operates through a, a series of um, informers snitches grasses. Uh, what's now called human intelligence or covert human intelligence, mm. uh, and that's what he does. He, he knows he knows he knows Glasgow. He knows the streets of Glasgow like the back of his hand. He goes out. He goes on buses and travels everywhere by bus because he gets a sense of the city as he's travelling through it. He goes into pubs and talks to people, and he starts to piece together what the city is all about mm. and what secrets people are keeping from him. Almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, almost like a jigsaw puzzle, and detective novels really are that. They are det- You start with a puzzle and you start to put pieces in place and you solve it. I did a lot more planning for this book than I would normally do for one of my books. Mm. I'm famously a pantser. I don't do I a lot of planning. Ask, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I make it up as I go along. Um, but with this, because Willie had left notes, um, I had something. I had something to work from. And I, I knew that I needed, before I started writing that, I needed to kind of work out in my own head what was going on, what did he think was going on in his book. So all of that um, took some time, uh, but it, it's you know it's mercifully quite a short book. Mm. Um, and uh, these days, I think a lot of novels are overblown. They're just you know because of the onset of the computer, we novelists are given free reign. We don't have to. If when you were using a typewriter, let me tell you, <laughs> especially a portable typewriter, mm. a manual portable typewriter, or whatever you were very careful not to make too many mistakes because you yeah. knew how hard it was going to be to correct all that. Cutting and pasting was, yes, a, was a real thing. I started, when I started from, in journalism, it was yeah. still typewriters. Oh, yeah. 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 Still, you know, proper cutting and pasting. Yeah. And these days, it's too easy just to keep on writing. And sort of crime novels now are four, five, six hundred pages, even, yes. even longer. Yeah, yeah. it's like, almost like the expectation has, has changed as well, that they, people expect them to be bigger than they used to be. Well, you know what? When I was early on in my career... Someone told me, and I forget if it was a publisher or an agent, they said, if you want to be taken seriously as a writer, not just as a crime writer, you better write books over 300 pages. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it's under 300, it's just a whodunit. Oh, right. You know, the kind of Agatha Christie-style book. Yeah, yeah. Or the early Ruth Rendell's. They're just whodunits. And if, you're t- if, you want, if you think, if you're taken seriously because you think you're taking on big themes uh, and, and maybe some politics and everything else, then you need to write longer books. Okay, that, I'm, I'm hoping that some of our authors haven't picked up that <laughs> argument because we're trying to get them down to something around the 120,000 mark from sort of 200,000. I mean, my books are getting shorter. Yeah. I mean, they, when I was a young man, uh, they got long, they got long, they got long, and then I started to think, no, they, you don't need this, mm. really. Um, and just for my own personal satisfaction, I, I quite like a short book. I, I do too, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I, I started cutting them back and cutting them back. As long as everything I wanted to say was in there, I just didn't pad them out. And um, so the latest Rebus is possibly the shortest one in maybe five or six books. Mm. So I'm hoping to get down to a kind of manageable, you know, 200 and odd pages without it being seen as just a whodunit. <laughs> in terms of the experience of doing this, has that fed back into the Rebus work? Well, I don't know, man. I've not done any Rebus work since. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I finished this book. I finished writing uh, probably December last year. December 2020 and then I jumped into a TV project which wasn't Rebus and then I wrote a stage play which was Rebus but it was a stage play so that's mm. different different type um, of writing yeah different kind of writing completely so so far I would say no and because the book is a period piece it's set in Glasgow 1972 
I don't think much will mm. impinge on 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 contemporary. If I'm set, if I continue to set my books in the current day, then no. But people keep saying to me, "Oh, well, why don't you go back in time and write about Rebus when he was young, a young cop?" There's a lot we don't know about from his younger days, and I've always resisted that. But having done this book set in the seventies, I think, well, maybe I could take Rebus back to the nineteen seventies. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be quite interesting. Uh, and yeah. let's see what what he was like then. Yeah. Life on Mars with Rebus. And you yeah. don't have yeah. to worry about the mobile phones. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, you, you mentioned when you gave your, your your talk just now that he was uh, spent a lot more time on descriptive passages, so you're not tempted to. To, to no, because that, that that's Willie's style, and it's never been my style. Uh, mm. What I like is I like crisp. I like crisp writing, mm. not too much imagery, not too many metaphors. Just let's just you know, crack on. Bring the reader with us, mm. because mm. you know, because if you put in lots of imagery and, and metaphors and things, then the reader is is realizing they're reading a book. It's a different type of novel, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? true. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, Laidlaw himself is a a, book, a man who reads complex books of philosophy and has him sitting around at his desk so that his <laughs> colleagues know he's a man who reads complex books of philosophy and he and he thinks in poetic he thinks in these very full blooming poetic sentences mm. in a way that Rebus just wouldn't mm, sure that's true yeah. I mean in the early Rebus books I made mistakes because I was a literature student and did a PhD in literature I made Rebus too literate mm. So in one book he says, do I contradict myself very well, then I contradict myself, which is a line from Walt Whitman, yeah. the oh, poet. Right. Yeah. There's no <laughs> way in God's it, green yeah. earth that Rebus should know about Walt Whitman, the poet. Right. Um, and so the, the, you know, the early books are me evolving as a writer and thinking, no, that's, that, he doesn't need that. That's mm. not the kind of person he is. So as long as I'm writing from Rebus's point of view, there's a specific voice and a specific way of looking at the world that I'll use that is going to be far removed from Willie McIlvany. Sure. In terms of, uh, if we could take a look at Harrogate itself, I mean, you're the festival director here this year. How how challenging has it been to put together, given, you know, the, it's been on a knife edge the whole time? Yeah, I mean, it's been two years because we planned, I was the programming director for last year, which I then got cancelled. Um, so we had to go back to basics because a lot of the authors we were inviting couldn't come or were trepidatious about coming. Mm. So a lot of the overseas guests dropped out quite quickly because A, they couldn't get here, physically couldn't get here, or B, were just very wary of travelling in a time of COVID. Um, and right up until, you know, every day we're looking, going, is so-and-so arrived yet? Are they coming? Have they been pinged on their way here? Um, but the, two things. One is that the writers are very flexible and amenable and lovely so they'll say look we don't mind if we're one or two writers down or we don't mind someone else coming in or I'll do it mm. you're one short I'll do it which has been great another thing is the audiences are, yeah. Yeah, they go, we, we know we know how hard this has been so we, we're not going to sit here booing because Absolutely. one author hasn't arrived Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody's got pinged and they've had to go home mm. okay that happens mm. we all I think know almost uh, they're grateful that it's happened at all aren't they it's yeah there's a kind of siege thing where we all feel like, you know, the, the outside world is, is still a quite scary and threatening place. But while we're here, we're all very supportive of each other. Yeah. And it's like one big family, and it always has been. Yeah, and it, it, what strikes us is our first Harrogate is, yes, authors are extremely approachable, and that's, that's great. So, uh, you know, as fans of the, the genre, that we can, you know, touch base with you and, and feel that sense of connection. But as much as anything, I just sense there's a joy here that people are actually able to have conversation over a drink and just see where the evening goes because mm -hmm. we haven't had that no no I mean we've had these zoom festivals there's been zoom book festivals and we're all a little bit zoomed out yes. um, and and readers are just desperate for for live entertainment they're desperate for for a laugh they're desperate for some 
uh, for, for using their brains again. Yes. And the writers, we're chatting away, you know, in the bar, the writers are chatting away going, I haven't spoken this much in months. And I'm using vocabulary that I wouldn't be using yeah. normally because my vocabulary has shrunk at home because mm. I'm not going out and doing stuff, not mm. doing events. So it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to start using your brain again and to stretch your brain a little bit and to meet up with friends because writers, normally we only see each other. We're very solitary creatures. But every year we'll see each other at festivals and we'll connect and we'll chat and we'll catch up on family and stuff and gossip and all the rest of it. And this is the first physical festival I've been to in well over a year and a half. Mm. So it's been very exciting and I'm just thrilled that we were able to put it on and the, the team backstage, all the Harrogate team have been phenomenal. You know, and to get this, to, you know, this was an indoors festival. It all took place inside the hotel, and they've just tweaked it so it's all taking place in the fresh mm. air, and it's working. Uh, yeah, it's working, isn't it? Because it's actually added to the atmosphere somehow. Yeah, it makes it more like a when the sun's shining and everybody's you know, everybody's going to. It's like you're at a, it's like you're at a Woodstock of the mind, as Bill Clinton <laughs> once called Hay and Why. You know, yes. a, wood, a Woodstock of the criminal mind. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's Woodstock brilliant. of the criminal mind. <laughs> Ian, thank you so much. Thank you, Ian Rankin just well i said it was an honor to meet him it really was and he's a quite sort of humble figure really when he he's at one of these things even though he you know he's the man around here right yeah but you know seeing him wandering around and chatting with uh, fans and readers and other writers you know he just comes across as just a you know just a very normal man you know yeah yeah i liked it when he got slightly up <laughs> offended not offended but took issue with one of my questions and he called me man yeah, oh man, <laughs> something like that. There's a moment in there. Anyway, you might listen back to it. Um, a little later, we're going to be doing uh, a special competition for the uh, followers of the Twitter handle uh, and the hashtag Not at Harrogate. Um, now, we're really sorry for those of you who couldn't make it. And I know there was a lot of social media coverage of people who weren't able to make it here, and, and you know, for, for very obvious reasons for that. Also, the number of tickets available were, were strictly limited, so. We gave uh, people here an opportunity to win A Crate of Crime, which was uh, a series of books from our first year in publishing in a crate uh, from Spitalfields Market. And it was won by... No other than the wife of a well-known writer. M.W. Craven's wife, Jo. Jo Craven. So congratulations to her. We're trying to figure out logistically how we get it to her in Cumbria, I think they live. Uh, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. But we'd also like to give people who weren't there the chance to win a creative crime. So here's what we want you to do uh, as you're listening to this. It's simply go to our website, www.hobeck.net. And over the next week, anyone who subscribes to the website, uh, where you get, you know, obviously going to get some promotional offers and, and there's an opportunity to download our very uh, generous, we feel, uh, Crime Bites collection of stories and novellas. Uh, but um, apart from that, you'll get a chance to win another Creative Crime, which we will uh, arrange and uh, get that out to you. So please subscribe to us at our website, www.hobeck.net, and uh, that could be yours. I'll mention it again before the end of the programme. Let's move on to our next interview. So just after we, uh, in fact, just before we spoke to Ian Rankin, uh, I approached Stephanie Merritt, otherwise known as SJ Paris. And uh, do you want me to say it again? Giordano Bruno. Yes, uh, Giordano Bruno. Well, she's also a critic. She, she writes for a number of the, the national newspapers here. But um, in her crime guise as SJ Paris, her big star has been Giordano Bruno, uh, who is, uh, who was, rather, a, a real person, um, someone who 
pushed scientific knowledge at a difficult time, you know, facing the Inquisition and the, uh, uh, the resistance of the Catholic Church, but she's chosen him to be the hero at the centre of a number of crime novels, which have done extremely well, historical crime novels. So we spoke to her, and uh, she had many interesting things to say. What do you get out of coming to an event like Harrogate? Oh, well, it's especially... Um, I, what's the word? Uh, it's sort of meaningful this year because um, I think for a lot of writers, you know, we spend so much time in a room by ourselves with imaginary people. And uh, I think everybody's got a taste of what that's been like over the last year or so, um, of just, you know, being sort of shut away. And uh, But for me, certainly, and for I, I think for a lot of other writers... Um, these kind of events this is the reward for time you spend by yourself um you know you get to meet your fellow writers which is the sort of the nearest thing that most of us have to colleagues um and you get to meet readers which of course is the real you know a real treat when you kind of actually come face to face with the people who buy your books um so i have really missed festivals and and live events over the last um well it's been nearly i suppose it's been nearly um a year and a half, hasn't it, since we've done anything like this? And and right until the last minute, we were sort of all yeah. of us keeping our fingers crossed because you know not knowing whether it would be able to go ahead. Um, so it really is a, a big thrill to come back this year um, and to you know to be able to kind of have a festival that really feels like normal. Um, yeah, so it's 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 kind of especially exciting. And in terms of interaction with your readers, um, how many? How, how do you do you feel comfortable with that? Is that something you know? Because it's very very informal here. Yeah. No. I mean, it's nice here that you know that's one of the um, the nice things about Harrogate is that you're not sort of shut away in a separate green room, you know, with the VIP uh, sort of cordoned off area. Um, you know, everybody's in the bar together, and people can come up to you and chat. And, and um, you know, I think people wouldn't come to this kind of festival if they didn't enjoy that. If it, you know, I, I find I don't think anybody would want to kind of sort of keep themselves at one remove. Um, so it is always nice, and the signings are always fun because you get you know people turn up and then they tell you that they've you know, sometimes they'll come with a whole pile of books and um, tell you when they first read them. And uh, so that yeah, it really is. It's a nice way to to interact. And and so many, you know, I have done events over the last year, and, and they've always been on zoom and that's one of the things that you miss because often you can people can send in questions on the chat boxes and things but it's never the same as people actually sort of coming up to you and telling you that you know that they've enjoyed your books and that for for a writer that really is the kind of you know that's the that's why we do it in the end Mm. is because i mean obviously we all write for ourselves but we we write because you know when a book's gone out there and somebody comes back and tells you that they've enjoyed it or it's meant something to them um and you realize it then has this life sort of out, out in the world so yeah there's nothing that replaces that really so how did you find um the pandemic in terms of your your own writing uh it was a, well it was very odd because at first it didn't um it didn't feel so different from you know my, i mean i work at home anyway um i uh yeah I'm, i mean i'm lucky enough to live in a nice part of the country where there's lots of green space to walk in so um for the first little while it didn't the only difference was that my son was at home all day so I'm used to having a sort of quiet house to work in all through the day and he, he was you know he's he's 19 now so he's um it's not like he was sort of running about and needing homeschooling but he would be playing the piano and suddenly I was you know they, they would I was very conscious of someone else being in the house which was a bit distracting um so I did write a book in lockdown and I I found that um 
for me that was a good place you know it allowed me to be in a different place and it was a, a contemporary novel this time not a historical one but it was set obviously kind of pre-pandemic and it was set in France so I you know I was having to um, I could sort of travel in my imagination and Google Maps and sort of be somewhere else um, so I, that bit was nice and the other thing that I did um, in lockdown is that my agency Curtis Brown have a creative writing school that's attached to them and most of their courses that they had done so you know before the pandemic were kind of in-person courses where you you go along in London and you have writers talk to you um but they really expanded their online business over the course of the pandemic they sort of spotted a, a niche there and um so I put together a historical fiction online course and the take-up on that has been fantastic there's been you know they've run it um sort of every six weeks or so and you do a six week so you sign up and I think they take about 30 people on so that it's um it's actually kind of a manageable number and people can kind of chat to each other you know people students who are on the course um so that was a really interesting thing to do last year I put that together and then we had two days of covid safe filming in London and I I sort of did lots of little videos to camera um but that was a nice way to feel that you were actually suddenly there were all these people with time on their hands wanting to write novels and um that was a nice way to kind of be able to to sort of tap into that I think yeah I think that's quite interesting is that the pandemic has inspired a lot of people who might have thought you know everybody thinks I've got a book in me but it gave them that opportunity being at home to actually act act it out and have a go I mean I did I didn't get very far (laughs) (laughs) well I think just even getting it started because for so many people it's just finding the time and when you work full-time or if you've got a family it's really hard to carve out that time and I think for a lot of people it did you know suddenly they're at home all day and and you know if they were lucky enough to be furloughed then you've got you know the the opportunity to give it a go so I think a lot of creative writing courses did quite well over that people mm. think I just need a bit of guidance um so yeah so that was a it was a nice thing to do now the uh, Giordano Bruno series mm. uh more to come have you got yeah there are there are more to come so I had two um two books out last year although one of them was a bit of a cheat because it was a collection of novellas um two of which had already been published as ebooks so that came out I mean the idea of that was to be a little sort of Christmas gift book but of course it came out when all the shops were shut um so that wasn't ideal but I so I had there were two of the two and then the most recent one came out in paperback last year um and then I've just done this new contemporary one which will come out next spring and then it's mm. back to Bruno so there are two more currently um, to come and I, I hope there will be more after that because the historical one that's really kind of where my um, mm. where my passion is with the, the crime stories yeah absolutely now we've interviewed your brother obviously on the, on the, <laughs> on the podcast Chris what's the, the, the is there a sort of competitive relationship between you in terms of uh, writing achievements or anything like that uh well, I don't really know what to uh, tell you about that. Um, I mean, I've been writing for a long time, so um, that's not something that, you know, comes up really. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, in terms of the way that you, you mentioned, you know, obviously helping new blood into the into the thing with the, with the courses and whatever, what do you feel is the, um, the prospect for historical fiction? Do you feel it's a, a growing market? Um, yeah, I really do. I think, I think there's been a... a definite kind of um renaissance of historical writing in the last you know crime and and sort of more broadly historical Mm. fiction I think you know um well I mean Hilary Mantel obviously you know has done um incredibly well and got a lot of people into reading historical fiction but then you know there's lots of um 
younger writers coming through, like um, Sarah Perry and Jesse Burton, and you know who have done historical novels that have done extremely well, and you know are, are sort of slightly different, slightly quirky historical novels. Um, so I think there's definitely an appetite for that, and I think also, I mean, one of the interesting things with historical fiction is that you don't need um, you you can you can research it. You know, there's a lot of research um, materials available for mm. um, you know that you can access online or that you can access from your uh, from your own home. So, I think over the course of the pandemic, you know, lots of archives were closed, obviously, mm. but there's still lots of if you're interested in historical periods, you know, that, um, a particular historical period, there's lots of ways to go about research. Uh, you know, if you were stuck at home, and so I think a lot of people. Um, we're interested in looking back at historical... You know, there was suddenly a big resurgence mm. of interest in, in um, books about the plague, for instance, yes. because, yes. you know, things that like are mirroring... Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, Hamnet. I mean, that was a real coincidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. But apparently so- sales of Daniel Defoe's, you know, Journal mm. of the Plague Year... Yes. Um, kind of s- Albert Camus. Yeah, you know, Albert Camus, plague. exactly. Yeah. It's almost like we wanted to read about it, but not this particular yeah. plague. Okay. <laughs> I think that's it. I think with a lot of contemporary fiction... Um, it's you know you can sort of make it quite general and quite broad but the minute you write about something specific it will date very quickly Mm. because you don't know what's going to come next and and with the lead time of books you know things come out um you know a year after and the world might look completely different from how you thought so I think it will be a little while before we have a sense of perspective on everything that's happened over the last couple of years but but I think a lot of people are interested in looking back and finding parallels and certainly also you know with Brexit and with the political upheavals of the last few years there was suddenly a great interest in Henry VIII and the break from (laughs) you know the the first break from Europe and you know that's so there's I think people always like to look back and kind of find a find a parallel we've just been pointed at have we? I didn't notice. Yeah there's a chap going oh look there there are people doing some recording oh maybe these things were famous (laughs) one day one day We'll share the stage with some of the people. I, I was fortunate in my... I got here a day earlier for the start and I went to the, the awards ceremony and it was kind of a condensed one because they, uh, Mark Lawson from Radio 4 and etc. and BBC <laughs> was, was presiding over it. Sorry, I was just saying hello to a puppy. <laughs> and um, what was so good about the, the evening was that, that, well, they had to give two Lifetime Achievement Awards <laughs> out uh, and also, obviously, the... the, the crime book of the year and that was won by chris whittaker um which his book is we begin at the end and has already won the golden dagger as well um so you know it's a big hit in america it's been optioned by disney uh it's life-changing for him really but what i love about his story is that uh it's he's drawn on his experiences of being you know stabbed and attacked and all the mental turmoil that created him in him so he's got this sort of dystopian crime novel set in the midwest america uh but transposed his experiences of what happened in the uk to that setting and we now have a copy so we can read it yeah, i'm actually quite excited uh, about this i am too yeah no that's the great thing about this is that you know you can come and refresh you know you hear about these books and you think right well there's new authors to discover and new approaches but i think you know it was worthy and, and a popular winner let's just say the car is bursting with new books it's absolutely bursting. I mean, the other thing you get here is that if you're on the sort of ticket we were on, we get we got goodie bags with loads of freebies. Um, so anyway, that was uh, a nice touch uh, and some <laughs> some and free a bottle of beer each. Yeah, and a bottle of beer each <laughs> and some free. This is the funny oh. thing. free alcohol gel to to kill the virus. But I thought it was um, 
I thought it was breath spray. So I squirted myself with alcohol gel in my mouth, thinking that it was... It was well, at least people it, can kiss you now. Yeah, but it was, it was minty, so I thought it must be... Oh, well, never mind. Uh, it was an unpleasant experience. Anyway, um, so yeah, wonderful t- for him, and um, we'll hope to get him on the program at some point. What I like about him is that he has uh, he volunteers at his local library, but things have become so busy for him now as a result of the success that um, he's going to have to sort of push that away a little bit and, and concentrate on getting around the festivals and, and writing books. So uh, that's lovely. But what's true of a lot of the big stars that were here is how much altruistic work they do and uh, we'll be talking to martin waits a little later about what what uh, what he does in uh, uk prisons which is fast fascinating i love that that they as well as you know enjoying their success and they're busy writing more as well but they want to put something back into to help other people i love that yeah and one of the spirits of the harrogate festival and our next guest uh describes this very well about you know if you if you if you're not willing to meet the public don't come to this festival as an author and i think that's one of the great things is that essentially there are no there's no vip room of any significance here that you know you could mingle you could walk up to any of the authors and start having a, a conversation even you know the, the big names val mcdermott or whatever i didn't actually have the courage to do that i know I, but a lot I of really people wanted did. to speak to val but unfortunately she wasn't around today was she i wanted uh, to ask her about no. her van driving skills yeah well now <laughs> we know about those but you're about to hear them on the on the on, on this next interview <laughs> but um we're, we're hoping to attend bloody scotland in sterling should it go ahead in oh, september she'll be there won't she she will be she's She's up for the uh, McIlvenny Prize as well. So it will be a good opportunity to, to break the ice there. And that's one of the great things here. We've been able to break the ice with a number of authors and, and people in the community. Val, we have a mug reserved for you. Right. Well, someone who was very <laughs> pleased to get his mug this morning uh, <laughs> was Mark Billingham. And I think it's fair to say that Mark, he won, um, he was given uh, his Lifetime Achievement Award from last year's festival this year. And gave a, a fabulous speech he's a he's an actor as well as a, as a writer and um he's really basically a superstar of these he's festivals. a man of many talents isn't he oh, he yeah. really is yeah and he put together the fun loving crime writers uh which are a group including val mcdermott who's on vocals uh a number of the top crime authors go around playing festivals which is amazing they've done glastonbury and cornbury and various other things but he is basically the most extrovert of all the authors here and I think his energy carries through to the rest of them. I get that impression from the conversations I was observing. Um, but anyway, he uh, spared us a few minutes uh, as he worked off a hangover. And uh, it really was a delightful conversation, as you'll hear. Mark Billingham, thanks so much for joining us on the Hobcast Book Show. Um, it's been a weekend, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, in many ways, it feels like a lot longer, but also it, it's rushed by. You know, it's already Sunday morning and... It's the worst time because people are starting to leave and, you know, you're thinking, oh, I've got to go and pack in a minute. Uh, but it has, it's been just the most incredible weekend. We're all so thrilled to be back together. And, and more importantly, all the readers who are here are all taking the time to come up to us all and tell us what a great weekend they've had and how brilliantly organised it's been put together kind of in, in a rush as it has been with obviously people getting pinged and all sorts of stuff happening. But, you know, the organisation here is so fabulous <coughs> that we've managed to, you know, managed to cling on and... and hopefully give readers a great weekend yeah absolutely i've been blown away by the people having to deputize for for, for those who have been pinged there have been some incredible performance i thought martin was yeah. unbelievable as an mc well that's a real case in point because it's one thing losing somebody off a panel 
uh, because you think, okay, well, then there'll be three authors on the panel instead of four, and that's fine. But a chair is quite a big deal to lose at the last minute because, uh, you know, they've got to do preparation and all that kind of stuff. So we lost a chair, um, unfortunately. And uh, myself and Steve Mosby, who's also on the programming committee, we going, all right, here we go, into action, firefighting. <laughs> and we just walked into the hotel, and there was Martin both standing by the lift, and we both just pointed at him and went, you! And he, t- uh, and he just was a, did brilliantly. So, um, you know, the, people are, there's so much goodwill yes. that people want things to, things to work. And, you know, uh, they're, they're, there's been the odd incident, which I can't go into detail about, uh, of, of slightly you know dubious late night behaviour or whatever it might be. But there, there are, that stuff always happens at the festivals and just you becomes that, it becomes yeah, yeah it becomes a story you tell in several years. But most most importantly, the events have gone well uh, and the readers have had a great time. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, I have to say I love this Sunday atmosphere because this is our first time at Harrogate and I quite like it. The sort of slightly hungover, <laughs> downing the coffees. <laughs> no, I've got to go home. Yeah, but well, slightly hungover is very generous of you. Because <laughs> um, I think some people are drinking till four o'clock. But that, that is part of it. It's not, you know, there's fun to be had here. You can, go, you can go to the panels and some of them are very serious, some are very light-hearted and knock about, you know. We did, the, we did the late night quiz last night. Oh, which, how did you do in the quiz? Well, I, I set the quiz. I, oh, uh, <laughs> Val and I are the, the hosts, yeah, the of, the, of, the, the hosts yeah. of the quiz. But, you know, the, the quiz featured for the first time ever a life-size Badger. Oh, no, when I say life size, I mean human size. I mean a six foot badger came into the venue at one point. <laughs> all, all to do with something that had happened on the Friday night. But the fact that the organisers of the festival went to the trouble of doing that, yeah. in the midst of all the other That's stuff brilliant. they're having to do, went, let's go find a badger costume. <laughs> just for fun, just for a laugh. You know? <laughs> Being part of the programming committee, I mean, obviously, one of the restrictions you had this year, apart from you know, the number of people who could actually attend, but there's not the international element that you've had in the past. So do you think the festival's lost anything from that? No, I really don't think it has. I think, I think people coming went, OK, we know we're not going you know, to see any big American names or, or even you know, the Scandinavian names or whatever. People just can't travel. They, they accept that. But it's been a great weekend, and I can promise people those names will be back next year. I can't tell you who they are. Um, but but they, they will be back, and, and they can't wait to come. So. Oh, that's great. I mean... So, I was just going to say, I think you know the flavour is always dictated by who you have each time, and it's going to be different each time, and that's a good thing, isn't it? I think it is. Every 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 one of these festivals does have a slightly different flavour. Depends on who the special guests are. It depends, of course, on who the programming chair is. And this year, it's been Ian Rankin, uh, and they put their stamp on it and bring a certain flavour to it and everything. But it's it's just the atmosphere of the place. We're, we're all so incredibly thrilled to be back together again. Mm. You know, some of us have been gathering in little like WhatsApp groups and <laughs> Zoom things. I've been doing a quiz every every week through lockdown with five other writers, and this is our first chat. You know, we've all just got back together. Oh, we're here in person. It's nice to so nice to see you rather <laughs> than talking on a screen. Together. You know, a legend of authors. Um, but it's great. There's such a lot of goodwill, such a lot of excitement to be here, and I'm I'm sad it's almost over, but. You know. Well, I'm gathering you're the social secretary of the the, 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 the greats that are here. I mean, I get that impression. With obviously, you've put together the the band as well, the the uh, fun-loving crime writers. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, we couldn't play this year. And in fact, two two members of the band couldn't make it. You know, had to pull out at the very last minute. If you um, need a drummer, okay. But it's very unfortunately, the drummer's here. I'm oh, sorry, okay. you'll, have to, you'll okay. have to take it up with Doug Johnston. Um, <laughs> But it was my um, it was my 60th birthday a couple of weeks ago, and, and yesterday, thank you, and yesterday, 
ba- the members of the band who were here dragged me up onto the bowling green <laughs> over across them. Just, I thought we were all just going to have a bit of a natter and a drink and a sit down. And suddenly the two people who aren't here, Stuart and Luca, were on a screen and we were all there. And I'm going, oh, isn't that oh. lovely? We're all here. And then round the corner came somebody with a huge guitar-shaped parcel. And it's, it's the most beautiful electric guitar made for me by really? Stuart oh. Neville. Made by Stuart oh, right. Neville, yeah, who's not just fantastic. a genius guitarist, he's, he's, but a luthier, for yeah, heaven's sake. Yeah, yeah, you know, with like a plaque on it and my initials. Oh, and just beautiful. Oh, for once, I was a bit speechless, which everybody was very grateful for. <laughs> uh, but no, so that really, really made Come the Come back as a single coil. Oh, I'm not, not going to go into details. <laughs> it, made, it, made, it made, oh, it was a beautiful moment. I'm filling up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Wow, wow. And I, I, I just get this feeling that, in a sense, watching you and, and so many of your you know, fellow authors gather together, this sort of joy that's, as you say, finally coming together and you know, not having to be on the screen. It's like when you meet old friends, which we're gradually doing now that we're out of, out of lockdown. Ish. Yes, exactly. Um, but what I love about this, this, this festival is the sense that no matter what conversations are going on, that... You know, Joe Public, like Rebecca and I, can walk up and, and just tap you on the shoulder and get the signature and oh, have a, have a natter. Give you a mug. And, and give me a free mug. Um, <laughs> for, to be honest, if you're the sort of author who doesn't enjoy that or doesn't like that, you shouldn't be here. And to yeah. be honest, you won't be invited. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that is the whole point of the festival. It's, there is no, there's no bloody velvet rope. There's no, no yeah. authors over there and audience over there it's everybody's just mingling in the events in the bars uh, you know sitting where we are now just having tea on the lawn or whatever everybody's it, it's access all areas to everybody all the time mm. I mean you know readers readers are not impolite readers don't come and bother you in the toilets or anything but <laughs> you know if, if somebody says can you sign a book can I have a photo what what kind of idiot is going to go no I mean that's kind of why we're here yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree yeah. Yeah. well I mean you know I've in my previous life as a, as a sports journalist for the BBC, there are plenty of people in that sphere. Who oh, let's, certainly let's talk about that. Who? Come on, name some names. <laughs> All right, Lee Westwood told me to F off. Oh, no. Uh, well, well, uh, when? I mean, uh, not, was, no, not is he about to take a putt or anything? No, no, no. It was, was at Muir, Muirfield 2002. <laughs> was he doing a wee? <laughs> no, he was not. No, no, there's lots of stories about me going to the urinals at the television centre. Uh, <laughs> you know, the most famous occasion was when I was sandwiched between Seb Coe and John Hurt, and, uh, wow. and having you know, so I've got the Elephant Man, and the you know, for, in the same year he's winning Moscow or the whatever. Elephant Man, I know. you thought that in the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, I think we should stop this conversation. That's it goes. right. Okay. That hadn't occurred to me. But no, I mean, if if it's never happened, I promise you, it's never happened. But if we were to get feedback that writer X had behaved very badly or told a reader to F off or been unfriendly or whatever, they just wouldn't be invited back. I yeah. mean, it really, you know, there's just no room for people being dicks. There just isn't. No. Um, because this is not that kind of festival. There are kind of festivals where you can parachute in, you do your hour, you sign your books and away, whisked off in a car mm. by your publishers. Mm. But that isn't what this festival is about. And, and the testament to that is that the festival is always full of authors who aren't actually on the official programme. Yes. They just come anyway because they want to hang out with friends, they want to be part of the whole atmosphere. And plenty of readers will be coming up to them mm. to get their books from the bookshop and I all that sort I, of I stuff. I must admit, I do like that because, yeah, like you say, there's, 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 there's people who call themselves aspiring writers. We just met a lady and she said, oh, I'm an aspiring writer. And yeah. I said, no, you shouldn't say that, you're a writer. Yeah. And then there's people who publish one books, two books, you know, all sorts, the whole and range. And the very best thing that happens, and this happens every year, and it's happened to me twice this weekend is somebody who's been on what we call the Dragon's Pen, which is an event we haven't been able to do this year, mm. but we do every other year where people get up in front of a panel, oh, a pitch. big agents and editors and pitch, and she says,
said, do you remember, remember a couple of years ago when I did that? Well, I, I got my agent last year and I've just got my first two-book deal with, with Bonnier. Oh, and brilliant. You, wow. you know, the, the, it's great to hear that story. Yes. And then yeah. they come back here and they're going, you know, next year I might be on a panel. And yeah, yeah. Exactly, just to yeah. see that journey of people who come here with, with you know, they've got un, unfinished books or books they're afraid to show people or whatever. And you see them yeah. go to, I've got mm. an agent, I've got a publisher. Of, and then they're out selling you. And then you go, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it's, it, it, must be, it must be this risk, but, you know, sort of like Chris Whitaker, who's obviously walked away with two massive awards so far in the last in the space of a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's his fourth book, I think, but relatively fresh to, 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 to market and, and into this sphere. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant to see someone kind of pushing the, the boundaries a bit with the, with the genre. It is. Oh, that's always exciting. But, you know, I mean, that, that Thickston's, the Thickston's Old Peculiar Award, as you, you're referring to, has been won by several debut novels. Yeah. Mm. You know? And I'm a bit, in about an hour, I'm going to be interviewing a debut novelist who's just sold a gazillion books. Yes. A called Richard Osman, you might have heard him. Uh, but, you know, that's a... That de- chap. <laughs> yeah, that chap. But that's a debut. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. obviously that's a, a, just a real special kind of... That doesn't happen. That happens about no. once a decade. But, you know, debut novelists can walk away with the big awards. And, and why shouldn't they? Yeah, it's obviously sickening to those of us who have been bashing them out for <laughs> well, 20 years. Let's, <laughs> let's turn to you and, 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 and you know, that, your, your career in the sense of where you are now. Mm-hmm. Is it being established and, you know, I've had so many people go, who's that Mark Billingham? Mark that kind of recognition you get in a festival <laughs> like this. But nonetheless, where are you conscious that you've still got to refresh the, the reader pool and sense of reaching out to new people absolutely i have i mean it, it, it you know i had a very special night here on thursday where i got the outstanding yes. contribution award which there's always a little part voice in the back of your head going is does that award really mean all right mate you've had your time yeah it is it is, it is a nice prize now just go away make well, room for somebody else and, you know, yeah, ex- 20 minutes later <laughs> 20 minutes later you got one um but but that same week in fact that same day my new book came out which is a, the most different for me thing I've ever done you know it's a standalone book in a first person and I've never written a book like it so it, that's a long way of saying yes you have to you have to do something different if you'll just keep turning out the new book a new, the same book every every year readers are very quickly going to go no that's going a bit and stale what, and what about that, that experience of writing in the first person and, and, and changing the, you know because I I I've struggled with flipping between first person and omniscient and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, I loved it. I mean, I've always done a bit of first person in every book, but to do a whole book, it's a challenge because you're asking the reader to spend 400 pages inside the head of, you know, with one voice. Mm. And, and also you have to be in the head of that one voice yeah, too. With, yeah, which is hard enough. But, and you make it somebody that's very different to you, in this case a kind of young northern woman, nothing to do with nothing like me. Um, but I loved it, and I wrote it really quickly. I think you write quicker in the first person. You definitely just get more words out in a day. Yeah. Um, sort of stream of consciousness thing. But no, I really, really loved it. I'm really proud of it. Next year will be another will be a very different book. Back to Tom Thorne. I've already done, written mm. that book. And the year after that, hopefully, you know, something different. A nice slim volume of poetry, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and turn it into a libretto, you maybe. Uh, the rock opera with the fun, <laughs> loving crime writers. Uh, I've got to ask you, because it's always been a dream of mine. So playing Glastonbury, which tent was it? Uh, the acoustic. The acoustic how fantastic. Oh, it was ri- quite ridiculous. We, whenever, if you're in a band, and obviously you, you, you said you're a drummer, yeah. so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, from the yeah. moment you, you say you're in a band, people go, oh, when are you playing Glastonbury? It's kind of a thing, people, <laughs> you know is. what I mean? People it's ask, it's like, if you're an actor, oh, are you resting? Right. Yeah. So, and also you make the joke amongst yourselves. Yeah. You go, well, well, when we're playing Glastonbury. 
and then you know we get this we've done a few festivals oh it just started off as a joke a bit of fun to do it like book festivals and whatever and then you know it started just getting a bit bigger and a bit bigger and we were doing more and more gigs and then I'd get the call and because I was the one that got the call I was the one that got to email everybody else in the band and it was just like in very big letters this is not a joke <laughs> I swear to you we've been invited to play Glastonbury and you know cut to the day with that boiling hot day I don't yeah. remember boiling boiling mm. hot day and we're in this van and we're driving onto the site and they're giving us our passes and we're, you know, we're taking pictures of them and tweeting them going, we're, this is happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, was, it was fantastic. But the very next weekend, we got booked for two festivals. We, last week we did a festival called Cornbury. Yes. The following oh, weekend. You know, on, on the same bill as the Beach Boys, for heaven's sake. <laughs> and, and actually... I enjoyed that that festival more because right. I was so, was so nervous about Glastonbury. Yeah, Not yeah. everybody was. I think I was the most nervous. Most people, a lot of people were quite chilled. But doing that was fantastic. I've been to Cornbury uh, a few oh, times because I lived in Tilbury, so right, it was right. just like next door. <laughs> it was it was wonderful. And also because we'd done it, we went, oh, okay, we can play on a big stage outside. In the, in the, you know, And Cornbury was especially brilliant because we started off, I think when we started off, there were probably a couple of hundred people watching us. And, you know, 40 minutes later we looked up and there's about 8,000 people. <laughs> they, because it's one of those festivals yeah. where you, people hear and they kept, we just kept watching them coming over the hill, yeah. coming into space. Wow. And, and Doug the drummer took some brilliant pictures from behind the kit. Um, I know, it was fantastic. And we've missed that so much. Because we had, we had a big tour lined up for like March, April. You know, playing, playing places like Queen's Hall, Edinburgh, Shepherd's Bush Empire. It's just <laughs> mental. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, we, you know, we'll get back start doing that again soon. I've, I've got to ask... What's Val's rider? What, do, what does she demand backstage? The rider is an interesting thing because when we got invited to do Glastonbury, obviously we're so excited. And then I, again, I got another email later on going, "So can we have details of your hospitality rider?" And I'm so so grateful to be asked. So I'm like, "Don't push it. Let's not push it." So I just went, um, "Okay, uh, ten cans, ten bottles of beer, bottle of red wine, bottle, nice bottle of Shiraz for Val." <laughs> thinking that'll do. You get there, it's eighty degrees, right? Yeah. So you get there and back. There's a row of fridges with the names of all the oh. bands on, right? And there's our fridge in between the fridges of Keen and Hawkwind. All right. and we're, just, <laughs> Keen so we're taking pictures of this. But because it, it was so hot, we drank out all our beer in about 10 minutes. <laughs> and we went, and then Stuart, the guitarist, came over to me and said, have you seen what's in Hawkwind's fridge? <laughs> and we opened Hawkwind's fridge and there's all the booze in the world. You've, it was like the TARDIS of beer and vodka. And, so I have to say, and I hope nobody from Hawkwind is listening to this, we did steal a little bit of your alcohol. I'm terribly sorry. But God, that was It was in a good cause. It was in a good cause. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. Couldn't you just feel the energy pouring out of Mark during that interview? Absolutely. I I, I don't know how he he sustains it for three days because we we slept through most of Saturday, I think, but... He, he was going till four in the morning, yeah. yeah. No, he, he, he does enjoy a drink, it seems. Anyway, uh, no, again, he sums up very well the, the joy of everyone getting together and the, the impact it can have on you know, the lonely business of being a writer. But the opportunity to come to something like this, I know he's an established, big established name and they're very successful. Um, but they're still, this is the thing that came through and has come through all these different interviews is that everybody has the same feeling of imposter syndrome whether you're a big name or a small one uh, you just wonder when someone's going to figure out that you <laughs> that uh, you know you're not all all that uh, that's how they feel about it anyway i mean clearly they're very very talented and, and wonderfully but they they do attribute luck to some extent to their success i mean richard osman said the same so just before we left there was a, one last session with um, an interview mark billingham and richard osman and he 
you know, he's he's pretty much a superstar. He's he's so well known. He's on TV, and he said he felt imposter syndrome, and he didn't want the "I'm a man on TV" to be the reason people were buying his books. He wanted them to love his books, but he still felt that oh gosh, are they going to like it? Is it any good? So yeah, I mean, no one's immune to it, are they? Whether they're the first time writer or TV superstar or 10 books under their belt, everyone feels it. Yeah, and I was very amused by their conversation about how writers are treated on set because Mark's had his books, uh, I think, televised and Richard Osman's book is, is, has been optioned, obviously, by S- Steven Spielberg uh, and uh, Mark was warning him that, you know, you're going to be treated like, <laughs> like a pariah when you arrive on set. Oh, God, the, author, the authors arrive. Yeah, everybody behave, the writer's here. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, again... Uh, Richard came over really well in that, that session and uh, I genuinely think that the British crime community, well, they're all grateful to him because, you know, the more he sells, people are going to come back and go, have you got anything similar mm. or something else in crime? That You know, it's such a crossover book. It's been amazing. But, uh, yeah, thank you to Mark. And um, finally, we spoke to, well, one of his best mates, actually. We grabbed Martin Waits. Now, Martin uh, had the very difficult job of... Uh, becoming the chair of one of the panels at about half an hour's notice uh, and it was the best one of the week as far as I'm concerned, it was Plotters versus Pantsers and he handled it with such aplomb and there was so much energy and fun in that panel and um, we'll be approaching some of the authors uh, I think over the next few months, see if they'll come on the show because they all had such wonderful stories about you know how they approach writing Incidentally, the pantsers side of things, mm-hmm. the people who don't rely on, pl- on um, you know, planning everything, uh, were in the ascendance in that debate. But it's about 50-50 is the general rule, I think. Um, we spoke to a number of other people who are aspiring authors or, you know, recently published authors for whom, you know, they can't possibly put a word, you know, commit a proper word without writing a 50-page synopsis, which sounds... Well, it's an anathema to me. <laughs> but Martin's um, career, you know, he again is another a- uh, actor. He's from Newcastle, and uh, he has been writing for about 20-odd years. And uh, I think that uh, his biggest creation is Joe Donovan and the Albion team. They're quite dark stories with sort of religious overtones, quite a lot of it. But one of the things that appealed to us when we spoke to him was what he does in UK prisons to help people with, from clearly in prison and also young offenders uh, and socially excluded youngsters to write, which is a fantastic thing. And uh, as you'll hear from this brilliant interview with Martin, there's, he gets so much from that experience. First thing I wanted to say to you, Martin, was what a brilliant job you did emceeing <laughs> at the very last minute, coming oh, in on that panel. Thank you. I mean, I, I will say I, I was very sad for Luca because, you know, I mean, Luca Vesta, he was on the way here and he got pinged to say that his daughter was, had tested positive with COVID, so he had to get off his train and, and go back home again. And he was heartbroken, you know. And I got, you know, I got a lovely message from him, you know, saying thank you for stepping in. If it, if it had been anybody, I'd have been glad it was you, you know. And I'm sure he just sent that to whoever was stepping in. But I was glad that, you know, he was. I just said, you know, get home safe and look after yourself. But it was, um, yeah, I mean, I got there and, and introduced myself to the panel, who I knew three of them anyway, you know, so that wasn't too bad. And and Erin Kelly just said, well, have you read all of our books? So, <laughs> She's a card, isn't she? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I won't tell you what I said to her. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, and I mean, it's just a question of listening. 
You know, I'd, I've done this a couple of times at Harrogate, just been hanging around. Also, I mean, when I, when I was when I was nabbed for this, um, Steve Mosby and Mark Billingham just saw me getting out of the lift and said, look, I can't come. Can you do his panel? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I said, oh, that was easy. And then half an hour later, they said, you do know his chair in? I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I said, well, that's a bit more difficult. Oh, sorry, did we not tell you? So, that, no. So, um, you know, I was off sort of trying to look up and see what I had to do and what it was about. And But I, I did it a few years ago um, uh, for an author, Paul Johnson, had taken ill. And he couldn't do it. So, again, it was kind of, Mark, can you just fill in? Can you just chair this? And that was one of the most enjoyable experiences I'd ever had, you know, because I think it was just thinking on your feet. And I think that taught me, you know, that all you have to do really is just to listen. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. because, you know, that's, that's all chairing a panel is. You listen to what the panel is saying. If they've said something interesting, you follow up on that. And if they said something deathly dull, you talk to somebody else. So it's it's, kind of <laughs> it's a bit like doing this. We don't yeah. do much preparation for this. <laughs> no, do we? That, that, that is that is the trick. Because I I've done 25 years in broadcasting, so it was kind of. But Rebecca's new to this this lark, and yeah. I just said that it's very simple. We go in with the minimum amount of preparation. We ask an, a nice, gentle opener, and then listen to the answers, and that's it. That's exactly it. And. Um, Luckily for that panel, I, I had four people who weren't backward and coming forward. Oh, no, they were brilliant. So, it was, it, the energy was incredible. Yeah, and I don't know whether that was because they were all terrified because Luca hadn't turned up <laughs> or whether it was just... because nervous jabbering. I just, I just said, let's have a good chat. Let's have a good conversation. Yeah. Um, remember the name of your latest book. Tell some jokes. Um, you know, if you're desperate, knob jokes will do. I said, as long as people remember you afterwards, they'll buy your books. So you know, that's, yeah, that, that's and I it. said, and I said, you know, they've paid to be here, so let's give them an hour's entertainment. Yeah, and it was, it was great. So yeah, that, that's pretty much that's you know my philosophy on, on doing all panels. Really. Right. And now you're a veteran, I guess, of, of coming to this festival. Yeah. Um, how's this one compared, given it's scaled down and had all these issues uh, around I mean, it? Yeah, it, it doesn't feel that scaled down in the sense that there's still a full programme. You know, I think there are slightly fewer people than there would normally be. In that, um, you know, there aren't too many people who've travelled from abroad mm. to get here. You, you, you know, um, a couple of a couple of authors have. Um, Will Dean's come from Sweden. Yes, um, I think he's set out in March. And, uh, <laughs> He'll be back next March. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and Ragnar Jonasson's come as well, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, there are a couple of people who've managed to make it from abroad, but, um, you know, I, mean, I think by and large it's, it's just been sort of fairly close-knit, and, and, and like I was saying earlier, there's just such a sense of goodwill about it this year, you know, just, just the happiness to be back, and, mm. yeah, everybody's been careful, and, um, you know, I mean, everybody's aware of, of what could go wrong, but, you know, I just think that, you know, everybody's been sensible about it. Um, so it's um, it's just nice to be back again. It, it felt really surreal on Thursday mm. to just walk onto the site and to see people that you hadn't seen for for two years since the last time, and then to start picking up where you'd left off. Mm. You know, just felt you know after the first hour or so, it just felt quite natural. But at first, it was like a waking dream. You know, at yeah. first that you were back here and after being sort of on your own for for two years. Mm. And then just to be just to be back here, and then it just felt completely natural after that. Yeah, I mean, I observed that. I mean, I, I was here Thursday night, and I just watched the the sort of tsunami of hugs and mm. and, and sort of <laughs> goodwill that was amongst the authors and the, the publicists, and you know, just we survived. We're here. Yeah, we're still 
Hello. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was and, actually, and what are you drinking? You know. That. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was I was quite surprised there were so many people here because uh, um, I know that you know I I'd been asking people and and seeing what they were doing on Twitter and. I thought the majority of publishing was going to be in Cornwall for the week. Because it seemed like, oh, God, no, I'm going to be in Cornwall. Oh, all right, OK, well, I'm going the opposite direction, so I'm going to be up in Arrogant. So, so, you know, I was surprised there were actually that many people here. Really. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And in terms of Harrogate, for you as an author, what, mm. what does it represent? Uh, well, I mean, you know, you can kind of trot out the... the the official line that it is the largest crime fiction festival in the world now I think um, it was in Britain then Europe and now I think it's the world I mean certainly this year obviously mm. um, you know so I mean there, there is that to an extent that you're part of, of as an author that big shop window um, but also I think it's you know from, I, I love I absolutely love coming here um, and, you know, to me, it's, it's not just about selling yourself as an author, you know, because if you think about it, I mean, you know, you, you know you'll get one to 200 people perhaps at, a, at, a, at an event, but still, you know, that's only 100 to 200 people, you know, I mean, you can, you know, it's, that's not who would all buy your book nationally or internationally, so it's not that. But, I mean, it's great being able to connect with readers. And it's also, I mean, a lot of literary festivals, they... You know, there's there's a real demarcation between mm. authors and between readers. You know, I went to the Hay Festival a, mm. a few years ago, and mm. I, I said I, I was in the green room. I spent most of the time in the green room because that's where everybody else. Seemed, the green room is huge and it has free beer. But um, you know, <laughs> what's not to like? Exactly. But you know, I, I said oh, I'm just going to get a coffee, and somebody had to lead me. Said, well, this is where the authors go for the coffee. So, well, can oh, I just go to the cafe? That's very different. Yeah. And get one. You know. So, well, if you want to, but you know, you have to mix with the punters then. <laughs> so, and it was it was weird because you know you could you you would be sitting there in the cafe, the, the author's cafe, having lunch with a wall in between. It's almost like being at a zoo, you know. And, and there would be people on the other side in the cafe looking over and oh, there's Simon Armitage, oh, there's Suggs from Madness, you know. And you'd be kind of sitting and you see them pointing, yeah, what's he eating? So you know and. Whereas here, it's entirely the opposite. Oh, completely, There's yeah. one bar. They're all mingling. And everybody, you know, if, if you want to talk to Val McDermott, she's over there. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk to Mark Billingham, I'm God knows why. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had that misfortune. I know. No. <laughs> I will say, yes, before I say that, yes, Mark is, is one of my best mates. So yeah. I, mean, that's, yeah. I can't say that's that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, it's, everybody's here. Everybody's here, and, and it's all... It's, it's a... It's a level playing field, mm. you know, because, I mean, everybody, writers, first and foremost, are readers. Mm. And I'm just as excited if I were here as a reader at going to a panel or being on a panel and finding the, the writer next to you is so exciting you'll go and buy the book mm. afterwards. Mm. You know, and, and I still, I'll still do that. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I did it after the, the panel that I was parachuted into the other day with Nadine Matheson. Yes, I thought she was fantastic. She was amazing, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, and I just said, I'm going to buy your book. And I'm not so she, she yeah, laughed did, and said yeah. something, you know, yeah. disbelieving, shall we say. Yeah. And uh, I said, no, I am. I'm going to go and get it. You know, you're going to sign it for me. She said, oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, because, you know, as I say, you know, first and foremost, uh, writers are readers. Yes. And that's, that is the joy of this festival, mm. you know. And so, uh, what I want to know is, is when you're gathering together and... How much energy does that give you to go back 
with you know in terms of you know great I, I get the impression watching you guys and indeed what I'm getting from this festival this this sort of energy to go back to the work yeah and, and uh, refreshed I mean I was talking to a lady she, she called herself an aspiring author and she said that she got exactly that she said I can do this I can write a crime novel she's written a romance novel she's like I want to write a crime novel now so she mm. you know they're getting that it's it's true though I mean I think once once you get over the sheer exhaustion of it, <laughs> we need a couple of days to. Come yeah, back. absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to, to going swimming tomorrow, yeah. and just spending as long as I can in the pool on my own, and just kind of tuning out everything else. But once that's out, it does. It, it, you know, it's like plugging yourself into again into the mainstream. You know, because or oh, the, the, you know, the, it's, it's this is the direct current. Mm. And you get it. I mean, even... And it's not a new thing. From the very, very first Harrogate Festival, which I was a guest at, you know, I just... I can remember my then editor just watching... And it's like, where did they get the audience from? This is what crime readers look like. Where have they found them? How have they got them to come here? And, you know, and I just remember that very first night um, of all the writers, or just about all the writers who were here, you know, all went out for dinner... And actually talked about writing passionately. And it, I mean, we'd all kind of meet together and it'd always be kind of, you know, mumbling in the pub. But this, there was something, you know, energising about it, like you say, you know. And just from the very first, it was kind of, you know, you know just coming back and, and, and kind of meeting up with your tribe again. Mm. And then coming away and, yeah, absolutely energised, you know, because it's... it's and also to find out that, you know, because, I mean, especially now when we've spent... You know, the majority of the last couple of years on our own. I mean, we do that anyway. Yeah, of course. But when you're in the middle of a, you know, of a deathly pandemic, <laughs> sitting on your own with your own dark thoughts as company, yeah. is not the healthiest thing to do. You no. know, even though that's what you do for a living. I was going to say. You know, so it's it's kind <laughs> of it's want some dark thoughts. It is. It's quite, but it's quite a dichotomy. You know, that you have to sit and do that. <laughs> and I mean, you know, for the first six months of the pandemic, I built my new garden because I just wanted something to do that was exhausting. You know, that I didn't have to think. But you know, but again, just coming back here and to realise that everybody else has been in the same boat, mm. and Zoom doesn't make up for it. And no. just to be back here is is and see everybody and. and kind of compare notes and then go away again and it's also a great leveller because you know you, you can have friends who are kind of first time novelists or aspiring novelists and or who are multi-million selling novelists mm. and the fact is that everybody you know kind of treats you as the same here mm. and it's you know that is like what I mean by a proper level playing field and you know because you're all writers and everybody knows the kind of vicissitudes of the business you know a, a lot of it is is you know it's it's not a meritocracy and a lot of it is luck so yeah and there is a sense of that you know so or quite a large sense of that amongst writers you know and, and it's kind of certainly amongst crime writers not so much other writers no 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 no, no. but you know is and certainly you know there's kind of and mark said it last night mark billen said it last night you know if somebody's successful then the rest of the genre gets lifted you know but you know true. you know the tide raises all the boats you know so it, it, there is that feeling amongst crime fiction it's a proper community for that all hail richard osman then yeah oh absolutely yes i mean great because i was on the same quiz team as him last night we yeah. won uh, so you know <laughs> don't surprise me if you had richard it's what a ringer he is well it's, you see everybody thinks that but i mean he has fantastic general knowledge yeah 
But then just the amount of times he would look at me and say, how did you know that? Because <laughs> like, I'm a crime writer, Richard. You want to try it? You know? <laughs> I wanted to but ask... We had Mick Heron as well, so what? I mean... Oh, wow. Was oh, a, well, a, a walking encyclopedia <laughs> of crime word, fiction. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I've noticed, speaking to some of the authors and, and looking through your bios, just how many of you in the crime writing community put stuff back in? So... You think of um, Chris Whitaker's won the two big awards mm. that, that have been awarded recently with the dagger and the, obviously this one. Working in his local library, mm. stacking shelves. Um, amazing. Yeah, but he's just virtue signaling. Don't believe a word. All right. <laughs> but what about you, though? I mean, because you Sorry, work... I can say that because he's a friend of mine. Right. Okay. <laughs> but you, I'm, I'm right in thinking you, you've worked in prisons. Yeah. As, yeah, a, as a visiting worked. writer and, and helping people. I mean, that. Wow, that's all I can say. I said that on the panel the other day, and I said, you know, well, I'm, I was a writer in residence in prison, and I think it was Mark Edwards who said, um, what were you in for? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you know, that, that's kind of what I, what I do in between writing novels. You know, I mean, I've worked in two prisons, at, at, at um, a young offenders institution mm. and, at, and an adult prison. I've um, run creative writing classes with socially excluded teenagers and... Um, with recovering um, addicts as well you know things like I mean I've also been um, you know run writing classes in universities and to be honest it's easier to get people to, prisoners to come to your creative writing yeah, classes than, than, privileged than students. university yeah, students yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the time me, <laughs> but yeah I mean and, and last summer I was um, during lockdown um, in Exeter where I live I was oh we went to Exeter oh did you yeah. Yeah. all right so we met <laughs> It's a long story, but yeah, right. Exeter runs very deeply in our veins. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, and mine too, because yeah. that's where I live now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was the um, the writer in residence for um, the keywords um, thing, you know, and and um, and it was working with with new and and aspiring writers and um, and putting together an anthology of their work, you know. So things like that. I mean, I because like I said before, you know, I'm a, I'm a reader as well. And I love that excitement of finding a new voice. Yeah. And I love that excitement of also seeing somebody discover their voice. Mm. You know, because I, I mean, I've worked, I've, I've taught at MA level for creative writing, like I said, and I've worked in prisons. And I mean, sometimes, you know, it would just be in prisons as finding writing as a coping mechanism, as kind mm. of a, a legal escape, if you don't want to sound too pretentious about it, um, which, you know, I can't avoid sometimes. But, you know, or, or when, you know, you're working with... with I mean, I've worked as, as a mentorship and, and editors for aspiring writers, and it is, it's when you find... You know, when you find a writer finding their voice, mm. it's great. It's so exciting I mean, to see we, that. We feel you know. a bit of that, don't we, as publishers, when we get submissions. Oh. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, it's... it's and it, it is a brilliant feeling, you know, and... Um, you know, I've had at least one Richard and Judy. <laughs> yeah, just just from from working with them. So you know, and and a lot of people that worked with have been published. So you know, it's and I, I you know it's not me. It's the process. Mm. It's just being enthusiastic about the process, which is which is all you have well, to do. Well, you're the facilitator in a way, aren't you? You're helping them. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I often say, oh, don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it much better than that. <laughs> Martin, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. No, likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you. Martin Waits joining us on the Hobcast Book Show. Don't forget, if you subscribe to the Hobeck website, www.hobeck.net, this week we will put you in for a chance for the virtual uh, creative crime. It will be a real creative crime. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's the alternative. For those of you 
and who uh, were, were on social media saying, not at Harrogate, not at all jealous. Uh, well, it's your opportunity to uh, to share some of the experience. I did feel very sorry for them when I saw that because I missed out on the first night, of course. So I know that feeling when you see all these tweets coming through and the Facebook messages and stuff and you think, and here's me sat at home in the kitchen with a cat. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's think about our you know our, our sort of personal experience. I mean, we we can't leave the show without mentioning some of the lovely people that have, we've already been, you know, uh, working with from our heart team who are here. And uh, you know, I'm thinking particularly of Linda Checkley and who else have we got? We've met one or two more today. Um, who are in our heart team, so we'd like to thank them for making us feel welcome. We also uh, met a number of uh, other people, sort of from the indie side of the community, and uh, you know, Donna Morfitt, who does so much to promote uh, indie authors at the moment, and indeed the, the big names too. Um, it's just a brilliant range of people that we've met, and all of us with a passion for crime fiction. I think that's what came across to me the most. So we met Donna, we met some other sort of bloggers and reviewers that we've worked with and just never met before. And they just love reading. They absolutely love reading. And we, that was the main topic of conversation, was books, reading. How many books have you got? How many books do you read a week? Who, who do you like the most? Who have you read recently? It, it, I love that. That, that's, that was what we talked about. Well, yeah. well getting very drunk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I think it's easy for the traditional publishing community who were there in droves particularly Thursday night uh, presumably backing up their authors who they hoped would win the Theakston Award um, I, I still got a sense there were a number of people from the traditional industry who had a rather standoffish approach and were feeling rather uncomfortable and not be, being in a VIP section and being in amongst the well you know the, the, the general crime fans uh, and uh, yeah I overheard some some really snooty conversations and uh, that the, you know Oh, uh, yeah, I had a chance to go to Tuscany this week, but I had to come to Harrogate. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Tuscany, uh, Harrogate. I think I'd choose Harrogate yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been tough. Yeah, the villa. Yeah, it's lying dormant this year. Yeah, yeah I don't know how I'm going to afford to. Uh, yeah, all that sort of thing. Well, look, you know, there's a side for that. But let's let's be honest. The real side of, of British crime fiction are the fans, are the people who save up all year to come to something like this. Um, and Blockswitch, who is, uh, has... Uh, we've rubbed shoulders with before at Morecambe and Vice was here just been signed for a, a three book deal so congratulations to her but she described it the first thing she said to me this is my Christmas this is what I save up all year for I've been coming for 10 years this is my the number one holiday thing I, do, I do love that because you know every, not everyone's got enough money to spare for this sort of thing and they yeah they love it so much there's, there's three nights was it three or four nights of what's count and they they save everything to come here and they make absolutely make the most of it they, i don't think they barely sleep do they no they don't they don't they want you know they want to soak it up and you know we were un, unable to energy, oh they are we didn't have anything like the energy lovely to see malcolm hollingdrake as well uh who was here uh and of course he would be because his harrogate superb harrogate series is is based here and uh you know it's uh, it was great to see him too so we'd love next year to bring more Hobeck authors more books make a bigger impact we've learned a lot from this trip uh, but above all I think we've learned don't stay at the Old Swan Hotel um, no. <laughs> although the bath was great the bath was fine but the rest of it yeah it, it's tired uh, but a great venue for, for a festival just don't stay there yeah, the atmosphere was perfect for this festival give them that yeah totally totally okay but you know in other regards 
try and you know get someone to clean the room once at least uh, we pay that much money anyway the other thing that we've learned is that uh, there are thousands not represented here necessarily in person of people who love british crime fiction and that's who we want to uh, serve with hobet books and join that wider british crime community and it's flourishing the passion is there the creativity is there and we're paying us a little small part but it's been a fantastic time and we go back to Hobeck Towers full of refreshed energy I think we can't wait to see the Hobeck Cottage who your dad has been taking care of for yeah. us Aki has been well looked after by after all my dad is a trained vet <laughs> uh, he didn't do a lot of vetting in his years but uh, he, he spent seven years at Cambridge learning to be a vet so he ought to be quite able to handle a cat like Aki no matter how vocal she got but we'll see her shortly and uh, we'll bid farewell to Harrogate 2021 and uh, thank you for listening to this and thank you to all of our guests and all the people who made us feel welcome at Harrogate as well it has been a marvellous weekend and I hope that we've captured some of the spirit of it in the people we've speak, spoken to and, uh, and the bits of chat that we've had just now on this bench in the middle of Valley Gardens in Harrogate. So from here, it's uh, time for me to say, I'm Adrian Hobart. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Rebecca Collins. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to join us next week on the Hobcast Book Show. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from. Plenty more wonderful guests to come. We've got some great names lined up. And uh, we'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.